0: Thank you. that you're here this morning for Back to Church Sunday so that we can celebrate together. Why do a Back to Church Sunday? Because there's no disputing in the U.S. culture that church attendance overall is on the decline. I read a blog from a blogger that I follow, Carrie Newoff, who says that going to church doesn't make sense anymore. And I had to read his article, and he pointed out that there's such a, there's a plethora of options out there for you. I think we have one of the best worship teams in the country, don't you? Let me hear your hands. But there might be one better. There might be better vocalists somewhere. There might be a better youth program somewhere. There might be better activities somewhere there's certainly better preaching somewhere and if you wanted to find thank you very much if no one said anything I was going to be heartbroken and you can log on and find whatever you want and you don't even have to clean up you don't even have to brush your teeth I mean you can just morning breath and football game and Jesus you know it's about So what sense does it make? Well, if you're just looking at it from doing your religious duty and having a spiritual meal, it doesn't make sense. And to much of our culture, it doesn't make sense. The Pew Research Center did a survey of Americans and asked why they do or do not regularly go to a house of worship. And the overwhelming reason why people attend uh, services is the reason they attend is they want to feel closer to God. That's why they want to go to a house of worship. But staying away is much more complicated. 20% say they don't go because they're unbelievers, and I get that. Why go somewhere where you don't believe? That's our job, to help them understand what faith and believing is about. But among self-identified Christians, the predominant reason that self-identified Christians fail to attend church on a regular basis is they say they practice their faith in other ways. We just do it different. Half of evangelicals say that this is a reason for not going to church more often. The next most common reason evangelicals give for not attending services is they haven't found a house of worship they like. I get that. I mean, at first, my reaction is that's consumerism Christianity 101, but on the other side, I don't know. I wouldn't go to a church I don't like. You couldn't pay me to go to a church I don't like. I'm glad they pay me here. (laughs) But I like it here. Good people, good fellowship, good family, God's presence, I love this place. Does anyone else love this church? Let me hear your hands. I love this place. So you have to begin to look at why have they not found one that they like? 20% say they don't like the sermons. Huh. My spiritual reaction is get over yourself. A little more than 10% of evangelicals say that they don't feel welcome. That's something to ponder. 26% say that they have logistical reasons for not going. It's too far, or they don't have time, or they're in poor health. Now, here's the contrast. So you have evangelicals who are saying, here are the reasons we don't go, and attendance is dropping. But the survey also says that the vast majority of people in America feel that churches and houses of worship are forces for social good. Nine in 10 Americans say that religious institutions bring people together, strengthen community bonds, play an important role in helping the poor and needy, and 75% say it protects and strengthens morality in America. So they say there is value there, and we're for it. We're just not going to be part of it. That's something to ponder. How did we get there? What does that mean? Another survey asked people to specifically tell why they don't go to church, and I found these fascinating. One reason on why we don't go to church or didn't go to church, why we skipped church, is we were out of peanut butter. (laughs) All right, let's add peanut butter to the coffee bar. What do you say? Peanut butter coffee. Let's just do that. This one I liked. That One guy said, I don't go because both of my girlfriends attend there. You better not go there, brother. (laughs) This one has never been said under my ministry. The pastor is too attractive. (laughs) When I see him preaching, I get distracted. Yeah, no worries about that here. My wife cooked bacon for breakfast, and our entire family smelled like bacon. Well, let's just add bacon to the foyer. How many for that? Now we have coffee, bacon, (laughs) peanut butter, have toast, and we're ready to go. Let's just do what everybody wants. This person said, I didn't come because I couldn't get the lid off the peanut butter. I think the problem's peanut butter. (laughs) Let's outlaw peanut butter. We got burned out at church, and so we took a little break for the last seven years and this one I just loved the church is too close to drive and too far to walk (laughs) welcome to the United States of America now I went to church regularly as a child for a different reason because I was scared not to if you didn't go Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, anybody remember those days? Anybody grew up with that? I mean, it was just it, you're going straight to hell. I mean, the surest way to know when Jesus was going to come back is the service you missed, because God is just waiting for you to skip so he can send His Son and get everybody but you. <laughs> Let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. I believe that, and I never set out to memorize that verse, but I heard it so much as a kid growing up, I couldn't help but memorize that. Forsake not, where were you? Forsake not the assemblies. Were you on vacations? You go to church, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And it just became part of the model, and I grew up with that. I'm glad for that. Someone said they grew up as a drugged child, their parents drugged them to church. <laughs> That's, I'll let that settle. That's not altogether bad, but our culture has shifted, and now we have all these options. And while I understand and believe what the Scripture says about not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, and in its context, you have to understand what it's referring to—that as we get closer to the end, there's going to be more deception. We're going to need each other more. It's not a—it's not a mandate. It's an exhortation for your own safety. But I think there's a better reason to go to church than just I have to to go to heaven. I'm going to try to answer that in one direction this morning, and I want to invite you over the next four weeks to not miss a week of this. Next Sunday, one of our staff, Justin Wirtz, will be preaching, giving his answer. The next week, Evan Carter will be preaching, giving his answer. I'll be back the fourth week to preach and make sense of what they had to say. Why, go, why church? Why not something else? Why not do some other kind of activity? Well, let me tell you the primary reason why I believe we should come to church. Because Jesus never misses church. Oh, so you're saying since Jesus is here, I have to be here. No. No, I'm saying to you that Jesus will be here whenever you come. So whatever your need is, whatever you're going through, whatever situation you face, Jesus will be here. He said in his word where two or three are gathered in my name... Gathered in my name. What does that mean? It does not mean that two people gather together who are Christians. It means there's a place to gather in the authority of Jesus for the purpose of worship. And when two or three gather in my name, I will be there. I can't promise you he'll be there on the golf course. I know he'll be with you wherever you go. But as far as a worship experience, I can't promise he'll be there at Walmart, the second place most evangelicals go after church. I can't promise the pie store or the coffee shop, but I can tell you why go to church. Because Jesus will be here. Is there anyone in the house this morning? Jesus will be here. And you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to look for him or plan on it. He's in the house today. And I came to meet with Jesus. So what I want to do this morning is look at some people that missed the gathering. And look at what happened when they missed the gathering. Not so I could heap calls of guilt on your head, but so that you can see something of the character and nature of God. That when man missed the opportunity, what is it that God did in its place? I want you to watch this. Watch how this develops, and our first character this morning is Thomas Thomas skipped church, poor Thomas, I bet if he could rewrite history, he would not have skipped church because we all know him as what? doubting Thomas, we forget all of the other things that happened in his life, but poor old doubting Thomas skipped church, skipped the gathering place, skipped the assembly, and that 's all we have to talk about through the centuries of time. The Bible says, Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So where was he? <laughs> where was he? I'd like to know where he was. I don't know where he was. The Bible doesn't tell us where it was. So it doesn't really matter where he was. It matters that he wasn't there. You see, there are, I'll, I'll admit to you, it's, your salvation depends on Jesus, not your church attendance. However, there's something that happens when the saints gather together that doesn't happen anywhere else, and when you miss that, you're going to see in a moment the missed opportunity. I don't know where he was, and there are legitimate reasons for you not to come to church. If you're sick, share the joy at home. I found out yesterday talking to one of our uh, volunteer staff that one Sunday someone threw up under a chair. They threw up, someone cleaned it up and covered it up and I didn't even know anything had happened. That's how clued in I am. But So if you're nauseated, yeah. If you're really sick, yeah, it's good to stay home. There are life situations, there are challenges, there are a lot of reasons. So I'm not here to make you feel bad, About missing church, but I will tell you this that you have to be aware that when you miss church, you're going to miss something because we're not just here twiddling our thumbs. Jesus will. Show up. We have this regular discussion staff meeting that when we gather as a staff, if one of the staff is on vacation, they're going to miss something. We're not going to stop planning and working because someone is gone and God is here in the house. You may miss something that He was planning to do. It doesn't make you a bad person. You just have to understand you missed something. Does that make sense to you? What did He miss? We have to understand the context of what was going on at that point. What had just happened? Jesus had been crucified. And let's lift that out of the Good Friday story into the context of the day. What does that mean? Jesus was seen by his culture, not by his disciples, but by the culture, as a dangerous insurrectionist. The Jews saw him as undermining their religion. And Rome saw him because a destabilized Judaism created a destabilized culture. And anyone who was destabilizing the culture was to be dealt with. In that environment, Jesus was arrested and sentenced to capital punishment He was sent to the electric chair in our current vernacular or to a gallows or to a a firing squad. He was put to death in the most cruel way possible to make a statement that the teachings of this insurrectionist will not be tolerated. So what happens next? In the history of Rome, when the leader was put to death, The next was a purging of the followers. The disciples had every reason to believe that the heavy hand of Rome would come down on them next and annihilate them from the culture. They had every reason to believe that. So they've gathered in a private place behind a locked door for fear of what would happen to them. And Thomas wasn't there. And while they're there, now will you just pretend like you're in that room? You're terrified? The door's locked? And Jesus appears in the room. What would your reaction be? Oh, that's cool. Not on your life. It would be terrifying. I mean, imagine right now if Jesus appeared, I would be unconscious on the floor. It's a terrifying moment. And he walks into the room. Thomas isn't there. He walks into the room, and he speaks to them, peace. What do you think happened there? Well, I don't know exactly. It doesn't tell us. But I imagine that they would have remembered being in a ship on the sea and thought they were going to die. And they said to Jesus, don't you care that we perished. That same hopelessness, that same sense of abandonment, that same sense of fear had gripped their hearts. And the same Jesus that stood in that boat, faced the storm, that walked on water and faced the storm, that challenged everything that had come against them, said, peace, be still. And it was, stepped into their room and said, peace be to you. And I promise you that the Spirit of God Filled that room. It was not empty rhetoric. It was the power of the anointing of the Spirit that drove fear out of their hearts and they experienced a peace like they had never experienced before. That's what Jesus does when Jesus comes in a room. But Thomas wasn't there. So I don't know. Put yourself in Thomas's shoes. You decided to not gather with the believers and Jesus shows up. And what happens? when you're in a service where something really, really powerful happens, like Jesus appears. (laughs) You want to tell somebody, wouldn't you? How many of you want to tell somebody? And who's the first person you want to tell? (laughs) Somebody that wasn't there. Guess what you missed Sunday. Hello? Guess what you missed. So they go to Thomas and say, Thomas, guess what happened? And Thomas is not happy to hear the report. He doesn't even believe him. Just a word of advice. If we have a really good service and someone's not here, just calling them to tell them that's probably not the best plan to encourage them. And he says, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. You guys are hallucinating. You're overcome with fear, and you're imagining things. Until I see the print of the nails in his hands, in his feet... And the scar on his side, I will not believe. Ooh, doubting Thomas. There's another gathering. Thomas decides to come, and Jesus shows up again. And this is so powerful. I just love this. Now watch, something's going to happen here. The disciples haven't had a chance to tell Jesus what Thomas said. He doesn't know, but he walks right up to him and he says, Thomas, put your finger in my palm. See the prints in my feet. See the scar in my side. (laughs) Now here's the problem. And he says, be not faithless, but believing. Watch. The problem wasn't that he skipped church. The problem was he quit believing. Missing the gathering was a symptom. And Jesus didn't deal with the symptom. Is there anywhere in there that he says to Thomas, where were you when I was here before? Anywhere that he rebukes him for missing? Because the problem isn't that he missed, it's the reason he missed. He had become faithless, not a believer anymore, and Jesus says to him, be not faithless but believing, and Thomas falls down and says, my Lord and my God, and we will find in history that it so radically impacted him that he will give his life as a martyr for the cause of the Savior who showed him the scars and lifted him out of unbelieving into a place of faith. You may miss the meeting, but God will make sure you don't miss the Messiah. (laughs) Are you hearing me this morning? He will come to you. So this isn't about saying to you, oh, you missed, ha, ha, ha. Yes, there was an opportunity. There was a moment. You missed the moment, but you're not going to miss the Messiah. He will come and find you. So, why should we gather together? Because He's here. And whatever needs that I have, whatever problems I carry with me, He is here. Hello, I said He's here. He's in the house and here to meet every one of our needs. Why should I not miss? Because I might need what happens in that meeting. And if you miss it, you're not done because he will still come for you. Woo, preach, brother. I'm trying to. Nobody's helping me, though. (laughs) I get those every now and then. I just got to let them out. Second one is Eutychus. Eutychus slept. How many have heard of Eutychus? Let me see your hands. How many have ever heard of Eutychus? Okay, so some of you are not listening at all. (laughs) <laughs> oh, in Acts chapter twenty, it tells us this: Eutychus slept during church. He didn't skip; he slept. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Do not go to sleep during church for thou might surely die. (laughs) And if you do go to sleep during church, don't sit in a window. (laughs) Luke, the doctor that he was, I love the scriptures because Luke says it's an irrelevant Comment outside of this context. It's like he's filling out an accident report and he says, and there were many lights on in the building. It's not like, it wasn't our fault. The lights weren't down. It wasn't our fault he fell asleep. We had all the lights on. The windows open. And he still fell asleep. Uh, Has that ever happened? Oh, yeah. And I, I remember one Sunday here, right over here, someone had come to church and fell asleep. So if you fall asleep, it's okay. It's okay. Just don't snore. (laughs) Right in the second row, someone fell asleep, and it wasn't this kind of calm. No, it was a jackhammer snore. You know the sleep apnea kind of snore? And I'm looking over here and people around are laughing and won't do anything about it. I still have not forgiven them. I have bitterness in my heart. It wouldn't help the poor guy. And then pretty soon, I'm, I'm not making this up. It was right there. There's an orange X on the chair. No, there's none. And then after a little while, he slumped over a little bit more. And <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, people. It happens. When I was in Bible college, you had to be in a practical works group, nursing home, prison, um, door-to-door something, and then once a month we had prayer bands, and prayer bands happened like right after lunch. And that's the worst time. Listen, if you're going to pray, don't do it right after lunch. Don't, no, don't. You know the worst? If you're at a conference speaking, the guy they like the least gets the session right after lunch it's just tough it's just tough we get tired and I was doing about five hours of sleep and thinking I'm doing fine didn't realize how tired I sleep deprived I was and it was a church with pews and the green fabric that heavy burlap kind of like this but only heavier coarser and I'm praying and the leader of the group was a senior that I really looked up to and I don't remember it. Isn't that? if you ever had that happen you fell asleep and didn't even know it And it wasn't just asleep. It was slobbering on the pew asleep. (laughs) I mean, there's drool going down. There's a pool right there on the cushion. And I have waffle face from the fabric. (laughs) And the leader came over. I mean, we're done. Everybody's left. I'm so sound asleep, I don't hear anybody leave. They probably were going... He comes over and lays his hand on me and I'm thinking, oh no, somebody's going to pray for you. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, dear Jesus. And I leaned down and he said, have a good nap. (laughs) What do you do with that? Thank God for the rest. He gives his beloved sleep. What can I say? So I don't care if you come and fall asleep. Don't sit in the front two rows because I will come get you, but sit toward the back and take a nap I'm just glad you got the rest I'm just glad you're here but here's what happens when you sleep during church you're completely disconnected from what's happening right completely disconnected and he's sitting there in the window (laughs) and you you know why he fell out right it's because there came a point that he was more out than he was in anybody got that all right can i go on now yeah and he falls out and dies now let me just explain something to you that you may not realize i've heard people say they want to experience a miracle (laughs) no you don't no you don't 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 say that because if you want to experience physical resurrection in your own body that means you have to die if you want a miracle that means you have a great need. And I'm not asking for a great need so I can have a miracle. I want confidence so when I do have great need, I will be able to believe for a miracle, but I'm not asking for one. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So he falls out of the window. (laughs) He's dead. And Paul and company go down there, and Paul says, gather around here. I want you to look at this sluggard. (laughs) That's what happens when you sleep during, during church. You just die. So put him in a body bag. We'll bury him on Friday. No, because God doesn't operate that way. We do. He doesn't. He doesn't punish us because we disconnected. He will resurrect us in our time of need. And they prayed for him, and he was raised from the dead. And I love what the Bible says after that. It says he was raised from the dead. And I think Paul preached some more after that. I don't think they were done. I don't think he'd given the altar call yet. So they keep going. But the Bible says that they went home comforted. You think? A, a guy dies? He gets raised from the dead? And you go home comforted? I go home overwhelmingly amazed at what had taken place. So what happens if you spiritually fall asleep, God won't leave you for dead. His self-inflicted need was not rebuked. He was healed by resurrection power. So if you sleep through church, he's still here to meet you, whether you wake up on your own or not. Third, there's the prodigal. The prodigal strayed. He didn't skip or sleep. He intentionally chose to walk away from the father's house. The Bible says not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. So I need to to clarify this a little bit. We look at what he spent, but you need to look at the impact his choice had on his family because his father is a farmer of some sort. And the son demands half. Now, I don't know if you know anything about farming or anything about an entrepreneur, but if you're going to take away half of his net worth, that business is going to be profoundly handicapped. So now father and son, elder brother, have to keep working, trying to do the job they were doing before on half the money while this bratty kid takes his money and goes off into the world and just begins to spend it. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and squandered his wealth in wild living. And over the years, I've seen people do that. Kids grow up. I don't want the rules. I don't want to be told what to do. I don't believe in this God thing anymore. I don't believe in any of that. And walk away. And I'm going to tell you I don't have that testimony. But I've never talked to anyone who walked away that said it was initially bad. It's fun for a while. Hello? It is. Don't don't tell me it's not. I mean, I've watched people that live for the party. It's fun for a while. But a day came when he had no money left. Guess what? His friends are gone. The girls that were hanging on him are no longer anywhere to be seen. He's got no money to pay any of his bills. And he finds himself in a pigsty feeding pigs. And that was the worst thing you could have a Jewish boy have to do. And listen to what he says. The Bible tells us that he wanted to fill his belly with the food the pigs ate. Why didn't he? Because the taskmaster he worked for wouldn't even allow him to eat of the slop. You say, would he have done that? Are you kidding me? Have you been in the inner cities of America and watched people foraging in dumpsters and garbage dumps everywhere to find something to eat? Yes, he would have eaten it, but it lets us know that his boss wouldn't even let him partake of that. That's how low he felt, and my my father's servants have more than that, more than enough, and that Happens, people walk away. But church, there's always gonna be a time, and wherever you are, and whatever happens in your life, you can walk away for a while and enjoy the party, but the devil will always take you farther than you wanted to go and make you pay more than you ever wanted to pay. He will take you to a place you don't want to be. The prodigal woke up there, he plans a strategy. I'm going home maybe I can get a job working for my dad (laughs) what kind of guts does that take you took half the business and spent it and now you're coming back and you want half the business to start paying for you again why would he do that why would he even think that would work (sighs) because he knew the heart of the father God used this story to convict me and call me into ministry. How? How did the father see him? The Bible says that when the son was yet a long way off, the father saw him. Why did he look out that morning? How did he know that was the day his son would come home? <laughs> It's because he was looking out every morning. From the day he saw the boy disappear on the horizon, every morning he got up with hope, believing a day would come that his son would come back. Is that my son? Is he coming today? And I imagine through the months or years, however long it took, he would see a horizon and hope would rise in his heart. That's my son, only for them to come close enough that it's not my son. It's not the one that I long for. He never lost hope. He kept looking. And when the son came into view what did the father say? We're going to have a party. Oh I think the boy needs therapy. I think he needs to work and pay back his debt. I'd like to put my foot where his sitter is. Anybody, Anybody? Look! don't look at me like that. You know exactly what I'm talking about. There's stuff to pay. Do you realize what you did to us, you little brat? But the father didn't do that. It's my son was lost and is found. He was dead and is alive. Put a ring on his fingers, sandals on his feet, a robe on his back. Kill the fatted calf begin to play music we're gonna have a party because the one that walked away is walking back and there's only one answer the church has welcome home welcome home that's our response welcome home I've heard people say well I can't go back to church the roof will cave in if I go back in there well it might it might but it won't cave in because of your sin it'll cave in because of our celebration (laughs) when you come back in People are liable to dance in the aisles. The band will be a little higher. Throw away the decibel meter. Let's raise the rafters and shout our joy because one of our family that was lost as is, is found was dead and is alive. And we just say, welcome home. Welcome home. I'm not always there. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like They need to pay a little. But here's what I know. Jesus has already been dealing with them to bring them to a place of repentance. And we need to love them. And listen, I don't know your story this morning. I don't know. Some of you, I don't know where you've walked. Some of you, I don't know why you're here today. And if you came in to sneak in, take a peek, see what happens, we just say, welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. See, it doesn't matter. If you skip church, he'll meet you the next time you come. But you missed a moment. If you sleep, (laughs) he'll meet you when you die. I mean, when you... When you need Him, when you wake up, and if you stray, He will welcome you home. So, all I have to say this morning to everyone in the house is welcome home. Welcome home. Could we stand together? Jesus is here today. that's why I go to church (laughs) oh you are Jesus with skin on I get that I'm glad you're here but as much as I want to see you if it was just you I probably wouldn't have gotten up and I love coffee in the lobby but I make better coffee at home (laughs) but there's one thing I can't do at home that always happens here oh he'll meet me at home not saying that he won't, but he's here uniquely when the people of God gather together. Something happens when we worship. So why do I come? Not because I'm afraid I'm not going to go to heaven, or I have to to earn a badge. I want to be where Jesus is. <laughs> ah, and he told me that from 9 till noon, he's going to be here. And whatever you need this morning, here's what I want us to do. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, or you've been wayward and you're coming back while we sing, just say, Jesus, forgive me, come into my life. You don't need me to do anything. You just need to reach out to him. If you're broken and tired and wounded, whatever baggage you're carrying, just when we worship, say, Jesus, will you help me? And he'll meet you. He'll lift your load he'll awaken your slumber he'll bring you back to the place of experiencing his love so right where you stand make that your altar as nathan leads us let's just take a moment to say jesus thank you for being here today i needed you (laughs)
1: mm <laughs> For joy from the ashes a new life is born Jesus is calling Oh Oh come to the altar The Father's arms are open while Forgiveness was born with The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Do you believe it this morning? Oh, come bow me to share
0: promise but I got a text from one of our church family who said I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me there is someone here that this is their last chance they're giving God one more chance to prove himself and then they're done I wasn't sure what to do with that so I thought I'd just text it to you and if this is How you came today? Going to give God one more chance? This is proof he heard you. And he's been waiting all along to prove himself real to you right here and he does love you and all he is saying to you at this moment is welcome home welcome home Jesus thank you for your presence in this place thank you for your presence in this place help us live in the place of delight in your presence for in your presence we know we find fullness of joy and we will give you thanks in jesus name and everybody said amen god bless you shake someone's hand tell them how glad you are they're part of our church family god bless you